What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Chapter 123 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the QAnon International, the Netherlands episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. This week, we are beginning what is undoubtedly an ongoing investigation into QAnon on the international stage. First stop, the Netherlands. Even though New Amsterdam was eventually renamed New York, the Dutch are a huge part of the European colonization of North America and were serious competitors to the English when it came to self-enrichment, genocide, and butter. Years later, unsurprisingly, the Dutch were some of the first in line when it came to embracing the various conspiracy theories promoted by QAnon and its community. Today, the Netherlands hosts a stable of characters promoting the Q lifestyle as an alternative to watching the mainstream news. One of them, Janet Osbard, also gave us the gift of content by releasing Fall of the Cabal, also known as just Fall Cabal, a movie responsible for red-pilling people over here in the United States in mass. So Travis has prepared a segment on the matter, including clips from a conversation he had with Dutch journalist Rudy Bauma, followed by an interview, of course, with repeat guest Marc-Andre Argentino, in which we discuss his extensive research into international QAnon. But before all that, QAnon News. First up, viral 4chan hoax tricks presidential electors and pro-Trump media. Credit goes to Alex Kaplan at Media Matters for reporting this one. Earlier this month, Texas urged the Supreme Court to throw out the election results in states that went to President-elect Biden. Mm -hmm. On December 11th, the Supreme Court rejected the case. That same evening, an anonymous user of 4chan's poll board posed as a Supreme Court clerk and claimed that they overheard the justices arguing. Specifically, they claimed that Chief Justice John Roberts was yelling things like, are you going to be responsible for the rioting if we hear this case? This is obviously all bullshit. The following day, Hal Turner, a white nationalist radio host with a long history of spreading false claims and hoaxes, posted the story on his site claiming it came from, quote, a source deep inside the U.S. Supreme Court. In actuality, Turner just copied the 4chan post. But it didn't stop there. On December 14th, the day the Electoral College delegates met to cast their votes, Texas elector Matt Patrick gave a speech in the state legislature in which he repeated the story. But in his version, John Roberts is swearing for some reason. Yeah, because he's bad to the bone. <laughs> but when the Texas case was brought up... He said he heard screaming through the walls as Justice Roberts and the other liberal justices were insisting that this case not be taken up. Um, And the reason, the the words that were heard through the wall um, when Justice Thomas and Justice Alito were citing uh, Bush versus Gore from John Roberts were, I don't give up about that case, I don't want to hear about it. At that time, we didn't have riots. So what he was saying was that he was afraid of what would happen if they did the right thing. And I'm sorry, but that is moral cowardice. Again, thing I heard through the wall, or someone else heard through the wall, really. Uh, Yeah, someone else. What was heard through the wall about a person I can't name, just, I mean... (laughs) 
You're right. He's Confidence. in the Texas state legislature getting just <laughs> hopping mad about bull- bullshit. Yeah. I mean, just you get you invent a thing, you read a thing, a fictional story on 4chan and you get furious about it mm-hmm. to it was something that's supposed to be a serious place. This is like a new conservative formula. The if true, then I'm furious <laughs> and they just get furious. But that's not all. The pro-Trump news outlet Newsmax promoted the hoax in several segments. A Newsmax host called the 100% bullshit made-up story from 4chan a bombshell report. Listen to this. A bombshell whistleblower report alleging Supreme Court Justice John Roberts voted against hearing the election lawsuit that was brought on by the state of Texas, not on the merits, but because he was worried about riots. One important takeaway from this incident, I think, is that even if, like QAnon went away forever, that would just create like a QAnon-sized hole that would be replaced by Supreme Court clerk-anon or whatever else. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just an endless stream of bullshit on these anonymous web forums, and people want to believe them. So, in a way, 4chan and 8chan are kind of this competition to uh, come up with suggestions for how to fill the spiritual void. What mm-hmm. what could what could take up this empty hole inside us? And they come up with all kinds of fantastic shapes. Most of them we refuse outright because these people are crazy. But if you get enough people that are hyper-intelligent and off-balance, just spit it, you know, spitballing, eventually you're going to find something and it's like, well, actually, this fits just great. And that, I think QAnon was one of those things. Mm-hmm. For my next story, QAnon continues to thrive on Facebook despite ban, according to reports. Yeah, they're not going to keep us I down. Mean, I called this one that, that Travis and Mark Andre and I mean, all we were of their so cohorts optimistic. would fail, fail. So all the way back on October 6, 2020, Facebook cracked down on QAnon content on their site, banning thousands of pages and groups that promoted the conspiracy theory. But they were not able to ban their resolve. So it's been over two months. So it's fair to ask how effective was that crackdown on actually curbing QAnon content? And according to a new report from the anti-extremism organization Institute for Strategic Dialogue, not very effective at all. That report, titled The Boom Before the Ban, finds that baseless QAnon conspiracy theories continue to be spread by several personal Facebook pages. Yeah. One of the super spreaders is a man named Larry Cook, an anti-vaccination activist who started sharing QAnon conspiracy theories earlier this year. In the month after the ban, Larry Cook continued to make and share videos that included QAnon explainers for newcomers and claims that the government was running a secret uh, detention camp. I like this Larry Cooked guy. Though Cook was banned by Facebook in mid-November, he still has an account on Instagram. You know that even if we ban all the regular like chatting structures, they would just go to like Facebook Marketplace and list like the truth for zero dollars. <laughs> no, they would go to like they would go to like Venmo or something. And, they like, would do and, ed- anywhere. And spread yeah. and, and and, and comment know. on people's payments. You know, Listen, they would they would take over no. a social media. Whatever is left, they'll take yeah. it over. They'll find a way. They will. Fi- Life finds a way. Have you ever seen those little plants that that grow through the asphalt cracks? Mm-hmm. That's right, motherfucker. They didn't know we were seeds. Mm-hmm. Other accounts that remained active on Facebook included those run by yoga and wellness coaches who share QAnon content mm-hmm. and uh, false claims like uh, tying the COVID nineteen vaccines to a vast government conspiracy theory. The report found that QAnon is promoted on Facebook internationally as well. Three of the 10 most active communities posting QAnon content on Facebook 
were German language groups. You know, I'm, I'm glad you skipped Germany and went straight to the Dutch. That, that, would, that would be such a depressing uh, beginning to the international episode, admitting no. how much the Germans love this shit. The Dutch, yeah, the Dutch was more interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, it's more subtle. And they yeah. have a good rapper. I mean, the Germans yeah. have, don't have their Langue France yet. Maybe one day. For my next story, Trump considered naming QAnon lawyer Sidney Powell special counsel. Isn't this kind of like one of those reports where it's like, we heard that he was discussing it and it got printed in like... It, well, it, this was reported by Politico, mm-hmm. Axios, and the New York Times. Right now, and and, and sure. the the main players in this didn't didn't deny the main details. Okay, fair enough. Okay. On the evening of December eighteenth, Trump reportedly met in the Oval Office with QAnon promoting lawyer Sidney Powell, despite the fact that Trump team fired Powell like last month. In that meeting, Trump discussed the possibility of appointing Powell as White House special counsel to oversee an investigation into the baseless claims of widespread voter fraud in last month's election, as well as the possibility of giving her a security clearance to pursue her work. Oh, that would be so cool. We need way more QAnon people with like <laughs> active security clearances. Uh, just go and get the information you need. And you can actually leak from inside the government then because you have the access so you can become your own Q like effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that would be a really fun one. It's interesting to me that somebody could watch Sidney Powell's performance over the last three weeks, four weeks and go, you know what? She deserves a promotion. <laughs> I mean, it's well, just... but because because at this point, I mean, it's loyalty. And right. she has that. Oh, she never dropped it. She's willing to piss off the Republican establishment to make sure Trump like gets stuff overturned, even if it risks like losing stuff like Georgia. I mean, she doesn't give a fuck. Of course he loves her. Yeah, she, she's risking her legal career because people are talking sanctions because she's pushing all this bullshit right. in the courts. Also, we talked about how what looked really bad right before she got fired was Rudy, not her. I mean, she said dumb shit, but she looked fine. Also present that evening was Powell's most famous client, General Michael Flynn. See, I'm telling you, they're getting the whole crew they're back together. The Everyone crew back who got, together, who got yeah. pushed off the <laughs> island. I want Gorka back in this fold. Yeah. Let's get them all back. This is worrying to me because it does seem like we talked before about the possibility that Trump is going to try and LARP QAnon into reality. And now right. he's like bringing all these QAnon oh, yeah. people into the Oval Office the and, and, and talking about their ideas. We've talked about Q team, but this is the closest yes, you're going to get. Yeah. And now, Everybody's actually we're getting, we're getting closer and closer to Trump just doing the my fellow Americans, the storm is upon us mm-hmm. tweet. Mm-hmm. QAnon in the Netherlands. We are recording this episode a few days before Christmas, which means it's time for me to think about the Netherlands. Now, before I started research for this episode, to me, it was a country best known for high-quality drugs, mm-hmm. Vincent van Gogh, trials of international criminals, and Sinterklaas, the legendary figure that was partly the basis for Santa Claus. Yeah. Ah. In the Netherlands, Sinterklaas is portrayed with a long, wavy white beard, a red and gold pointy pope's hat, and riding a white horse. Instead of elves, Sinterklaas is assisted by a Moorish man named Black Pete. Black Pete is typically portrayed by white Dutch people wearing blackface. Yeah, so Schwar- Schwarze Pete is what they call him. Yeah, this is apparently a, a source of controversy in the country. Oh, really? Apparently. Yeah. yeah. You can't tell why? I mean, France also has awful stuff like this. Like, we have this, uh, for a very long time, we had, like, a powdered, like, kind of chocolate banana drink, uh-huh. and the front was just an absolute racist caricature. Just h- horrifying <laughs> racist I mean, caricature, giant, printed on every box, I- available at every supermarket. Yeah, I was saying, you know, considering our own history, it is kind of like a, a miracle that Black Pete wasn't included in the American conception of Santa Claus. Because that right. could, could have happened very, very easily. 
The Netherlands also happens to have a very active QAnon community. Amongst all European countries, the Netherlands ranks third for most QAnon activity on Facebook and Instagram, according to analysis by the BBC. The two top QAnon countries in Europe are the UK and Germany. To try and get a better handle on QAnon in the Netherlands, earlier this week I spoke to Dutch reporter Rudy Bauma. I'm a reporter at a public television current affairs program called News Hour, which is comparable to BBC Newsnight. It's a daily uh, current affairs program on Channel 2. And we um, uh, also pay attention to conspiracy theories, disinformation, and those kinds of topics. That's uh, one of my specializations. I'm the reporter who's doing that. Rudy Bauma told me that he first noticed the growth of QAnon in the Netherlands when it started showing up at anti-lockdown protests. I noticed QAnon slogans at anti-lockdown protests uh, late spring, early summer, I would say. But there were also a few significant incidents around politicians who were harassed by QAnon fans. Most uh, noticeably this summer when a Christian Democrat parliament member was chased by a group calling him uh, Satanist and Deep State and things like that. And also protesters yelled uh, pedophile to our Minister of Health. So we also saw QAnon move from online to uh, real life. The harassment of politicians is apparently a departure from the normally relaxed and civil political culture in the Netherlands. For example, the Dutch prime minister was often photographed riding his bike to work without security. But the growth of conspiracy theories has eroded Dutch civility over the past year. Like Bauma mentioned, one of the most famous incidents involved conspiracy theory-driven protesters confronting the politician Peter Omtzigt in the street. U beweert nu dat het is. Uw vrouw heeft het zelf gezegd. Dus hoe zo hoe zo kan het dat het nu in één keer niet zo is? Praat je altijd iedereen? Praat je geen volk? Praat je altijd iedereen? Ja, wat bedoel je? Is het normaal dat je voorgaat? He's just kind of getting chased by some lads with half beers. They've just spotted him and just went and kind of harassed him as he walked. But they're, they're getting into his yeah, face. Oh, yeah. his face and blocking his yeah, path. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's very confrontational. It's, it's very inspirational. I mean, uh, intimidating. Omsek later told Bloomberg that he was bewildered by the confrontation. It all felt very threatening, and it did not seem like they were open to a conversation. <laughs> you know, people are calling you a pedophile Satanist. He's like, oh, let's, let's talk this out. You don't seem very uh, you know, open to a back and forth on this issue. This paranoia even affected small towns. In the Dutch town of Almelo, someone wrote QAnon rhetoric in chalk outside the town hall. It said, in Dutch, we are ruled by satanic pedophiles. You know, I have to say it was awfully thoughtful for the vandals to do their graffiti in like washable chalk. Like our QAnon vandals, like they went into like a Catholic church and then they, they fucked up the, uh, the altar. But in Netherlands, they just do like chalk that can be like you know, washed off with a hose real quick. Reporters were also targeted by hostile conspiracy theorists. According to the Dutch broadcaster NOS, its journalists dealt with verbal abuse and garbage being thrown at them. <laughs> In one incident, a person urinated on an NOS van. This continual harassment was so bad that NOS decided to remove its company logo from all news vans to prevent them from being targeted. These sorts of incidents made Dutch public officials take the threat posed by QAnon seriously. Four times a year, the country's National Coordinator for Security and Counterterrorism publishes a terrorist threat assessment for the Netherlands. The most recent report, published in November, warns about the radicalizing effects of social media and conspiracy theories. Since the coronavirus pandemic began, expressions of social dissatisfaction have increased both online and offline. 
Some of the groups and individuals involved have found common ground rejecting the authorities or government policy. This sentiment is rooted less in ideological motives than in feelings of injustice, strong discontent, or a different perception of reality. In addition, people who have a long-standing distrust of government, science, and traditional media can now see their ideologies confirmed in conspiracy theories and disinformation. Social media play a facilitating and mobilizing role in this regard and add further fuel to the fire. Alongside the diverse, law-abiding upper layer of activists, there is also a radical undercurrent in which staunch distrust of the authorities can lead to extremist conduct. This is so, I mean, it really makes me think because, you know, a lot of the issues that QAnon brings up, we talk about how they broadly have the right feeling about things, that yeah, things are, 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 are corrupt and things are wrong. And then, but, but what people do to defend the, the system broadly against that is they put them all in one thing, right? So... Here they're listing three different things. Distrust of government, of science, and traditional media. It's like, I'm sorry, but two of those are fine. And the science thing, that's on you. That's your educational system that should be fucking taking care of it. But the two others, distrust in government, how would they have that? Distrust in media, how dare they? How dare they with the history of, uh, of, of all these countries? I mean, I don't know. That's where I think I block up on this because... Um, it's just too easy to tie them together and be like, they don't no, trust any no, of this of stuff. You, I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. There's concern that because people are, you know, uh, ca calling, you know, journalists Satanist, then that's a reason to like criminalize or sort of like uh, make a, or stigmatize all criticism of the media or something. Well, even within the group of people who call them pedophile and Satanist, you'll have maybe 20% calling them pedophiles and Satanists and the rest don't. They're just like, you're corrupt. You're lying sure. to us. You're bought and, and paid for. And that's the part they don't want to listen to and it's very easy to put the clip in of the person saying satan pedophile even if the rest of the critique was decent or if they the animus comes from uh, a place that is actually informed at least one dutch qanon follower is attempting to penetrate the world of business oh really the dutch public relations professional ronald heister along with uk qanon promoter martin gettys created a consulting company called Bossmaker. This consulting company is dedicated to helping businesses through the Great Awakening. The idea is that the events prophesized by QAnon, such as the collapse of the mainstream media and the mass arrest of the political and cultural elite, will have a big impact on businesses in all industries. They're basically trying to be the McKinseyan company for QAnon. Yes. But instead of things like accelerating the opioid epidemic, Bossmaker will supposedly help guide your business through the risks and opportunities that will arise in the aftermath of Hillary Clinton's execution. Their website reads, trust your plan, navigate the storm. Here's how Ronald Heister describes Bossmaker. Top open source intelligence analyst Martin Geddes and I will discuss why it is crucial for you as a private individual, a corporate or civic leader, or as a professional advisor to have the proper insight on the unprecedented unfolding geopolitical situation. A situation that will change everything in your corporate and private life. If it wasn't a contentious term, Bossmaker would be subtitled The Great Awakening for Business. Dutch QAnon has also had an impact on the worldwide growth of the movement. Most significantly, the country has given the world the Dutch conspiracy theorist Janet Ossebaard, who created the 10-part video series Fall of the Cabal. Now, Fall of the Cabal is probably responsible for radicalizing more people into QAnon than any other video. It was mentioned on the pier by Jessica Prim. 
Yes. And it's been mentioned many times uh, by promoters and people in new age circles that have switched over. Yeah. That whenever you, people talk about like, you know, what was it that radicalized you? It's either like Joe M's videos or possibly, you know, uh, out of shadows or follicable. Yeah. The first words out of Jessica Prim's mouth when she pulled down the window to talk to the cop was, have you seen Fall of the Cabal? Yeah. And she's just crying. Even though Fall of the Cabal isn't very well produced, it may have been successful in part because of its gripping introduction. We are about to witness one of the greatest events in human history. The world as we know it is crumbling before our very eyes, and the majority of the world population is not aware of it. Power structures that have been in place for thousands of years are taken down as we speak. Soon we'll be shown evidence of an elite plan so evil, so all-encompassing, that people will be shocked to the core. This documentary was made to help you deal with what's coming. Is it a good thing? Oh yes, it's the best thing that could possibly happen to us. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably already familiar with the conspiracy theories promoted in Fall of the Cabal. It goes over everything from anti-vaccine conspiracy theories to adrenochrome to Bill Gates conspiracy theories to the Seth Rich conspiracy theory and a lot more. Part 10 of the video series even promotes the JFK Jr. Lives conspiracy theory. Yes. So it just goes all out. Ossebard was mostly unknown in Fringe, even in the Netherlands, until this video was released. This is despite the fact that Alcibard has been publishing conspiracy theory content for decades. According to her own account, she never thought about conspiracy theories at the beginning of her life. In the 1980s, she studied language and literature at the University of Ronaden, after which she started a translation and communications consultancy. But all that changed in 1994 when she saw what she believed to be a UFO crop circle. This experience, which she had in the town of Witten, changed her profoundly, and she became obsessed with crop circles. As we often see with conspiracy theorists, Ossebard's obsession hurt her personal life. In a 2019 documentary, Ossebard said this, My parents said, You have gone mad. I had a lot of problems with family. Lost friends. They always made the same jokes on birthdays. Getting roasted by your friends on your birthday. Man, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> They're calling me again. A loser. <laughs> they, why have they waited till today, the day of my birth? Happy birthday, Janet. <laughs> you're a fucking loser. <laughs> to phone me over and over, ridiculing me. Soon after Ossebard got pilled, she joined an organization called the Dutch Center for Crop Circle Studies. She wrote books about crop circles and gave guided tours of supposed crop circle sites. And in 2005, she became the chair of the organization. But all of this was a mere lead-up to her production of The Fall of the Cabal movie, which earned her worldwide fame in the conspiracy theory world. As the press started to scrutinize her, she responded by being hostile towards reporters. Uh, for example, after the journalist Chris Klomp wrote about her earlier this year, Ossebird told her followers to bombard him with messages. This resulted in the journalist receiving a ton of messages wishing death on him, threatening sexual violence, uh, calling him a pedophile, you know, pretty, pretty standard fare. Apparently, many of these messages are in bad Dutch, so they don't translate very well. But one of the messages roughly translated to, you are a dirty cancer pedophile. When I see you, I will fuck you so you no longer walk. Whore's child. According to Rudy Bauma, Janet Ossebard is known for being eccentric and temperamental. Uh, well, according to people around her, she's got a 
pretty much of a temper, walks away when asked critical questions, um, attacks journalists online, uh, connects journalists, some of them, to pedophilia, walks around naked at a campsite where she uh, writes her stuff and she, where she works, uh, harasses people with plans to build a UFO landing spot. Um, so you can't really say she is taken seriously at all in the Netherlands. But yeah, as you were mentioning her Fall of Cabal videos, uh, although um, looking a little bit amateuristic, uh, I might say, are yeah watched millions and millions of times. She just she's running her own nudist colony. Yeah, and this also rocks. she's she's trying to build apparently a UFO landing site at her kind of cabin where she lives. We should have her on the podcast, but like go to her. Sure, mm-hmm. field trip. Mm-hmm. Like in the United States, a handful of celebrities in the Netherlands jumped on the QAnon bandwagon. For example, the Dutch former soccer player Brian Roy is a QAnon promoter. During an appearance on a British QAnon podcast, Brian Roy said that he got pilled after watching the conspiracy theory film Zeitgeist on the recommendation of UK pop singer Robbie Williams. Nice. Well, uh, the moment I thought something is totally off here in this world Mm -hmm. was the moment that I saw on Facebook Robbie Williams. That was in 2000, I guess. 11, 12, 12. Mm-hmm. And he told something about, you should see, you guys, you should see this movie. It has a total different view on society. Mm-hmm. And that was Zeitgeist. The classic conspiracy yeah, film, yeah. Zeitgeist. That loose change, old school, brings back memories. Mm-hmm. In the realm of pastel QAnon, Rudy Bauma told me that Dutch Victoria's secret model, Doutsen Kruts, frequently promotes conspiracy theories on Instagram. And one of our famous models, uh, which is Doutsen Kruts, she used to be uh, uh, one of the models in the, um, uh, the, the lingerie shows of Victoria's Secrets. Um, she has also turned conspiracy thinker on Instagram. She is a little bit fake about it. But she is also, um, well, um, posting uh, words like, uh, I think it was the Great Awakening, stuff like that, you know. So she doesn't really explain it, but she flirts with it as well. But the most significant Dutch celebrity QAnon promoter is the rapper and television presenter Franz Christian Fredericks, better known by his stage name, Lange Franz. Kijk naar de lucht, gepaint brust, mijn brain rust. Gebrainwashed door tv, krijg geen rust. Ik weet alleen maar set rich was geen rust. Geef officieel zero fucks en geen kut. Zelfs in mijn schaduw is het smore stom. Rudy Bauma told me that the music of Lange France has always had a conspiratorial bent. But in 2020, the rapper pivoted right into QAnon. And he's a pretty famous rapper in the Netherlands. He uh, raps in the Dutch language and, uh, well, it's probably pretty popular uh, for many years now. Uh, he had been speaking about all kinds of conspiracy theories like 9-11 and stuff like that for a longer time. Uh, but this spring, he released a track called uh, Lockdown Falkenball. Uh, mentioning the QAnon slogan, when we go one, we go all in the lyrics. And also mentioning in his lyrics, uh, Jeanette Ossenbaard, the Dutch producer of the Fall to Cabal documentaries. Yeah. Lange Frans. Benji op the beat. Welcome op het allerlijpste festival. Je hebt geen kaartje nodig, want je bent er al. 
Did this to fall van de kabal. Where we go one, we go all. Er hangt wat in de lucht, het is de lente vast. vast. Losse schroeven nooit meer in te vast. Goud eerlijk als de kennis was. De bal die gaat niet langer heen en weer een soffe. Lenga Frans also has his own podcast in the Netherlands. The podcast is in Dutch, so while listening to it, I was only able to make out the occasional phrase, like the laptop of Anthony Weiner, <laughs> FBI, and satanic blood-drinking elite. Nice. And the laptop of Anthony Weiner, die is natuurlijk al een jaar in bezit van de FBI en politie en, en het leger. Daar yeah. staan ook super belastende dingen. And this is ook iets that Ik hoopte heel lang dat het niet waar is. Maar de verhalen die naar buiten komen via verschillende wegen... zijn dat we toch geregeerd worden door een... en ik kan het niet korter en chargeren dan dit... een een in en in slechte, uh, satanistische, bloeddrinkende elite. (laughs) God damn, Dutch is such a beautiful language. I mean, I think this is kind of like the the, uh, the beauty of being a modern conspiracy theorist is like since it's global, yeah. like I can go to like anywhere in the world and to where p- the pilled people are and say the word like frazzle drip. Mm-hmm. And they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Their eyes will light up. <laughs> I'll have made a new friend. You ah, know? frazzle drip. Frazzle drip, the universal <laughs> language. Lange Franz invites on other conspiracy theorists onto his podcast like uh, Jeanne Tossabard. In fact, Rudy Bauma told me that uh, the rapper's conversation with Janet Osabart generated some controversy because they fantasized about killing the prime minister. This episode became controversial here because together they fantasized about, let's say, the necessity of stopping our prime minister, Mark Rutte, in his uh, corona um, uh, policies. And they then both said they, well, they, they like fantasized about killing him, but also saying they didn't want to kill him themselves because they wanted to keep their karma clean or something like that. So that was picked up and and, and, uh, made headlines here in the Netherlands. Lange Franz also helped organize a Save the Children rally in the Netherlands. Uh, This was part of the Save the Children rallies and marches that were held in countries all over the world. These rallies, of course, were designed to provide a soft front for QAnon, allowing them to promote QAnon theories without actually admitting that they are QAnon rallies. Rudy Bauma asked Lange Franz about QAnon at the Save the Children rally. But since this was supposed to be a soft front, uh, Langefranz, of course, responded by saying this. I'm not going to talk about that at all. You are being very annoying right now. I'm just telling you that we are not going to talk about. I'm leaving. I don't like this at all. <laughs> so yeah. There are always two minds. It'd be like, oh, we need to get the word out. We need to red pill the wor- world. But then like, uh, so this is a QAnon rally. I, I don't want to talk about it. Shut up. Go away. <laughs> being very annoying right now. In October, Lange Franz's YouTube channel was removed. YouTube said it was because of repeated violations of the community guidelines. Lange Franz, of course, claimed that he was being censored and that he was banned because he was recently mocked on the Dutch satirical show Zonda <laughs> Met Lubach. So they made fun of me, so I got banned? Yep, yeah. <laughs> Lange Franz was far from the only Dutch QAnon promoter who got the ban hammer from social media. In early November, Twitter removed at least 90 Dutch accounts that supported and shared conspiracy theories by QAnon. Also like in the United States, QAnon in the Netherlands intersects with mainstream politics. Rudy Bauma told me that a far-right member of the Dutch parliament appeared on Lange Franz's podcast. Uh, actually, he um, invited a Dutch politician on the far-right, Wieberen van Haga. Um, and this politician obviously was also 
criticized because, um, yeah, he was a guest in such a podcast uh, filled with a lot of conspiracy theorists because he is not only doing QAnon stuff, but, well, he's probably, every every um, conspiracy theorist in the Netherlands probably uh, has been a guest in his podcast. He's doing, like, all kinds of stuff. So doesn't have a good reputa reputation anymore, but nevertheless, one of our parliament members um, talked to him for an hour or so. Tragic that uh, Wieberin von Haha is uh, gaining <laughs> such a <laughs> political power. There has been a cozy relationship between the Dutch far-right party Forum for Democracy and QAnon. The party leader of Forum for Democracy, Thierry Baudet, has frequently retweeted QAnon accounts and promoted other conspiracy theories. And this is significant because this is not a totally marginal party. There are over a dozen political parties represented in the Dutch Senate, but in 2019, Forum for Democracy won a plurality of votes in the provincial elections. That gave them more Senate seats than the Prime Minister's Liberal Party, People's Party for Freedom and Democracy. However, the conspiracy theories that fueled that party's rise also led to its downfall. On November 21st of this year, a Dutch newspaper published screenshots of conversations among members of the youth wing of the Forum for Democracy Party. One party member praised the economic policies of the Nazis. Oh, Others made. I mean, that's what Candace fucking Owens did over here. Yeah. <laughs> Others made overtly anti-Semitic and homophobic remarks. It was later revealed that the party expelled five whistleblowers who raised concerns about the rhetoric. One of the Forum for Democracy members who was elected in that 2019 landslide election also revealed that party leader Thierry Baudet promoted coronavirus conspiracy theories. Specifically, Baudet claimed that George Soros introduced coronavirus to steal our freedoms. Yeah, he introduced it. The ploy, he explained, was meant to accomplish what, quote, Hillary Clinton and the pedophiles failed to do. These revelations caused the far-right party to collapse. Senators stepped down, party members tore into Baudet for his poor leadership, and Baudet himself resigned as party chairman and leader for the 2021 election campaign. Now, even though QAnon has caught on in the Netherlands, this shows to me that the Dutch still have kind of an underdeveloped conspiracy theory culture when, you know, compared to ours, you know, mm -hmm. there are no consequences for promoting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories here. In 2018, there Flor are actually rewards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in 2018, Florida Congressman Matt Gates said that a migrant caravan was being financed by George Soros mm -hmm. and he did it on Twitter. Not like in a private conversation. And then last month, he was reelected with two thirds of the vote. Mm -hmm. So the idea that a politician could face political consequences for privately saying that George Soros is the Jewish puppeteer for everything that bad that happens in the world is, I don't know, kind of mind blowing to me. Studying Dutch QAnon was fascinating because I'm not very familiar with the you know, Dutch culture or the political system, but I was able to recognize how QAnon infected that culture and political system. You know, celebrities acting as advertising towers for QAnon, how conspiracy theorists gained huge audiences thanks to QAnon, the Save the Children rallies, and the far right exploiting and promoting QAnon are all things we've also seen in the United States. So that made me curious about why QAnon seems to cross borders so easily and how much QAnon has spread across the globe. To get a better handle on international QAnon, I've invited Mark andre Argentino a PhD candidate from Concordia University, Canadian, and three-time podcast guest. Yeah. Marc-Andre, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. You've been tracking the international growth of QAnon. So how many countries have a QAnon presence, according to your data? 
right now I'm up to 85 countries that have a QAnon presence. Though I'll caveat that that some of these countries have uh, this presence because of European expats. So if we take, for example, something like Martinique, it's going to be mostly you know French expats living in there talking about French politics rather than more of a domestic audience in some of the cases. I mean, it sounds like your people are just pilling the world, Julian. So in this episode, we we specifically covered like Dutch QAnon. So what has your data uncovered about like uh, the the growth of QAnon in the Netherlands? I think QAnon Netherlands plays an important role within the QAnon circle, even before like looking at the politics themselves. We just you know the the documentary it's it's Fall Cabal is from a Dutch conspiracy theorist. But I think similar to the U.S., what I've seen is. You know, QAnon has tied itself to the political right in both the, the Netherlands and in uh, the U.S. If you're looking at the election that recently happened in, in, in the Netherlands, you really saw candidates that were echoing or that were, that were Donald Trump-like having a Dutch base that were linked to QAnon. And you've seen that as well with the anti-mask protests or the Save the Children protests that are happening in the Netherlands this summer. They're all carrying along a mixed bag of domestic content as well as QAnon. That's kind of what we've seen in the Netherlands. Yeah, it seems like this is um, something that we see a lot. It's like QAnon is just sort of like an add-on to like the far right. It's like a plug and play, a way to like energize the far right in any country it infects. No, it is. And if like in the Netherlands, it was initially Geert, uh, Geert Wilders that was really finding that QAnon base. But even now, one of the candidates in the prime minister's race that is uh, being called the Dutch Donald Trump. Thierry Baudet? Yeah, his name has been appearing a lot recently on uh, Dutch QAnon Telegram. They're not very big channels. You have about six, 7,000 people there, but it's still a decently active community. And it's kind of representative of, I think, the type of populations that are present in the Netherlands. It doesn't take a lot of conspiracy theorists to have an impact on the narratives and the conversations, especially on social media. So are there any factors that like, that contribute to the growth of, of QAnon in Europe specifically? Because this is something I, I often get when people I tell people international QAnon. It's like, why would people in Europe, for example, latch themselves on to a movement that's fixated on Donald Trump, what they think is an entirely American phenomenon? I think it's important to realize that it's no longer just fixated on Donald Trump. The early, you know, when we were talking about the early QAnon stuff in 2018, 2019, it really was this perception that Donald Trump was going to travel to other countries and liberate them from the deep state. But the narrative has shifted in, in the past 12 to 15 months, where a lot more of the international QAnon communities believe that the U.S. was the first country to awaken to their deep state, but every other country has a deep state of their own, and they need to awaken to fight it. And now this is kind of how you break away from the, the, the necessity of Donald Trump, and it really blends into more the domestic political landscape. So you still have this role where it's a, it's a typical conspiracy. You have the deep state. They're all satanic pedophiles. It's You're taking like the traditional NWO conspiracy from the 90s and blending it in with QAnon and, you know, international politics now and this is how they're they're surviving but the the core features are are still there it's still an apocalyptic movement they still think that 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 q drops are applicable to international countries like oh it's like the really obscure ones that don't necessarily mention american political actors some of them reference content that could be interpreted to you know dutch politics or german politics or australian politics you don't necessarily need to have that american lens 
and you're still seeing that you know you're still have a responsibility as an anon to awaken most people more people to your cause and help them fight the deep state and it still answers those needs it feels sometimes that uh, the this stuff travels along the lines of globalization but also austerity countries that have experienced austerity from basically both parties uh, both parties you know proposing to them a future that that has less opportunities than in the past are we seeing a kind of like first reactionary push against something that is going to cause uh, these countries to go down this path? Because it is surprising that QAnon has worked much, much better in the developed countries, the UK, the United States, France, uh, the Dutch. I mean, these are people that are at the the core of of the old empire and also at the core of the uh, project of globalization. I think you have to have the bandwidth to participate in conspiracy theories. And it's kind of like this it's a luxury belief in a way that if you have real struggles like and you're in a quote unquote comfortable state conspiracy theories might be a way for you to benefit from this but let's be honest in places like in the countries in the global south where you're suffering a lot more conspiracy theories might not be the necessity or the exit that you'll need because you're not trying to scapegoat someone for your problems but it's actually more about survival and like believing conspiracy theories does not provide you that survival factor it really is in these industrialized wealthy countries because it's a luxury and a first world problem in a sense that oh i'm you know i'm at home and i lost my job because of the pandemic but the pandemic was created by a deep state world order that's trying to control the population right, right. it makes more sense from that perspective but don't you think like in a first world country where collectivist decisions like we're all going to take a vaccine are just kind of given to you uh, vertically you know, t- from a top down structure, things that used to perhaps be a project of a society now feel like edicts from this kind of ivory tower. And do, do you think that, that that dynamic in these developed countries has also contributed to it? Because I, I don't buy that it's only people who have the extra time. I think that conspiracy theories can fester in any environment, even with people under extreme duress uh, who work you know long days and don't have as much leisure time. But it does seem to be taking more in these countries where we are experiencing a more of a project of social control uh, rather than countries that are more chaotic where the top-down structure is uh, hit and miss or inconsistent, you know? It makes sense in that way as well. But the reason why I'm talking about it from the perspective of suffering and like the luxury of the of being from these these global countries is, you know, the suffering that people have gone through in a global pandemic is not something a lot of us experience on the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had, we've never really had political political strife and economic strife and a health crisis all happening at once. But if you're in certain parts of the global south, that is your daily reality and you've developed mechanisms to navigate that space that doesn't require conspiracy theories. Whereas for, you know, your typical, let's say, white elite male in his 20s to his 30s or in his 40s or in his 50s, who's gone through a wave of conspiracy theories in his younger years, you know, returning to that past or adopting this type of conspiracy narrative makes a lot more sense because you're not used to navigating difficult and complex scenarios of suffering. And, you know, something like a conspiracy will provide you an easy answer that you don't have to make more difficult decisions and adaptations. And I think that's where where the difference is. It's not necessarily that you don't have time, but it's that you don't have the mechanisms because you're so you're used to living a more comfortable life. 
And it also feels like there's basically no uh, friction for for some of those people until there is. They don't actually have to be confronted by reality at any point. They can grow up in a bubble in their school, in a bubble of wealth in the first world country, in a bubble of entertainment, in a bubble of online, ex- uh, you know, expressing of, of, of yourself, your true self. And so eventually it's like, yeah, that there's almost no friction there. Of course, they're not developing the same um, stuff that's functional because, you know, in a world where you need the result of your actions to, you know, accomplish something, you know, like you said, in a third world country where it's it can be a life and death or survival uh, is on the line, then, yeah, it's it's you are confronted with reality. And, and I think that in the West, in some of these countries, people are often not confronted with reality. And then when they find out that this, uh, you know, ri- this system is rigged or unfair, they go they freak out and they go straight to some of the more, more extreme stuff because they're just not used to thinking that their system is a fucking disaster. Whereas someone in a third world country is like, oh, yeah, the government's totally corrupt and like oh yeah the u.s like tried to like you know basically take over our country at one point in the past they're also awful they live in that knowledge right whereas QAnon people often it feels like they're discovering it for the first time the government's <laughs> lying to us you know it's like they're fucking it, it's hilarious because it's it's like like we said they have had not much friction in their lives and not much use for political uh speech QAnon is really about a movement that's engaged in a power struggle and that's why it could mm-hmm. it's targeted and attractive to both elites and you know subordinate groups within our societies so right. you know you find that you have this real uh, like oh i'm a QAnon believer i'm in this community i have this sense of effectiveness and community that i might not get at home in my own social circles and then you have like 2020 that pops up and you have these unfair social and economic situations that fuels basically QAnon's populist resentment and this is when governments are unable or unwilling to challenge the inequality so during the pandemic where you know oh i don't want to wear a mask i don't want to be locked down my business is closed i can't have a job i can't go to school i can't see my friends i can't go drinking at the beach like i do at festivals every summer whatever it is you know the the fact that you have this governments that are trying to deal with a situation that most have never experienced or been prepared for it fuels this resentment by 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 people and this is why they're turning to conspiracy theories and it's why it's attractive to dem- like different demographics and populations this populist resentment is transnational it's not unique to the u.s it's something that's common in all these countries and this is why it's, it's this is what mobilizes them and you resent up the government and the elites and you want to demonize them and scapegoat them by using conspiracy narratives. Interestingly, I mean, I think you can see the same gulf and the same kind of width of uh, different life experiences in the original American Revolution. You had people who wanted the revolution for very different uh, reasons. The workers who were enlisted to actually fight that war, they were under unjust circumstances. And the landowners that wanted those people to go to war, they didn't want to pay the taxes of the English. So to understand it in terms of the wealthy and the poor buying into it as a solution... Uh, you you can see it as a project that would actually benefit them both. I mean, one, it will never benefit. It's a lie. And they're they're being kind of uh, basically used as cannon fodder. And then the for the others, they will see financial benefit and and increase in power because it, they are basically in a geopolitical struggle on a, on a higher level and they want to defeat their enemies. And so they know, hey, take the populist power, point it at the other guy and let them lose. Who gives a shit what they're talking about? QAnon, who cares? So- is there an example of international QAnon that has been especially worrying to you as as you're uh, researching this stuff? I think the two biggest worries I have would be QAnon. Well, I'll be biased. I'm Canadian, so I am worried about QAnon Canada. <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's not the most. I guess it's not the most worrying yet. But I think QAnon France and QAnon Germany are the two mm. most 
worrisome in my opinion. Right. Germany mainly because of the large well, there's been some reporting recently about that, but the issue that they have with, you know, right wing extremists and conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. actively participating in their police and military. Um, it's the similar pattern we have here in Canada. France has been worried re- me recently because QAnon France has organized itself similarly to what they were doing with Yellow Vests uh, on Telegram, where every like region, which is assigned a number in France, is basically now has its own Telegram channel where people could communicate locally with other believers. And in the past two weeks, they've gone from just communication channels to uh, a channel that people have been creating to say, for those who want to move offline and actively participate in training and drills. So there's been actually a couple of groups that were created. It's basically called the Le Grand Réveil Actif or Proactif or something like that. And basically they want people to come training. So they have this piece of land in the south of France where people are able to go do tactical field medic training. They have a gun range, uh, survival techniques, everything. And the group has about 400 members right now that are planning to meet and train. And these are like ex-gendarmerie royale, uh, ex parachutists, mm-hmm. military, infantrymen. So there's people who actually have training and, you know, military acumen that are trying to organize offline. And that's concerning in the sense that it's happening in France and a European country that has more difficult access to like weapons than you would in the US. And if it's happening in France, it's happening in other countries. So it makes me wonder in countries that are not necessarily on Telegram because it's mostly a European platform, you know, what's happening in places like the US or Canada which is likely having similar patterns of behavior. So you're seeing that like in countries that are already there where QAnon is actively trying to train offline for more, you know, physical action is concerning because QAnon France is also very Macron focused. They don't really care about Trump, even though they watch the politics of it. It's really more about the, their domestic politics and everything's going on. And that's how, you know, if you're already frustrated over years of yellow vest protests, you're already frustrated with the government. And now you have this movement and you're training offline. That's a little concerning. 400 people, and they're all going to be just targeting Macron? Pretty much. They hate him. <clears throat> okay. Sounds... Um, uh, Cher <laughs> citoyen, uh, je suis derrière vous. So that's going to be a piece I'm writing right now for the early 2021 about this. It's not... Uh, that's a little more concerning. When, when like, a conspiracy theory group starts training, it's kind yeah. of what I, I spoke about with uh, my buddy Amar in the CTC Sentinel piece this summer, is that if you have people you know, who want to become... Who, who developed this, you know, military acumen and training to bring about the realization of QAnon's plan, that's when it gets scary because it's no longer about the information war. Anything that's happening right now because it's pandemic situation, it's it's re- it's really an unprecedented time. An election, civil rights movements and protests, a pandemic, and, like, global chaos everywhere. No one's really gone through this. I Like, for me, like, my biggest challenge year was the ice storm in 1998 when I was a kid and we lost power for two weeks and I was stuck playing board games with no heat and no power in my house. But there is also like the fraying of participatory democracy. The feeling I think among many countries that it doesn't actually fucking matter who you vote for because these people are all in like an elaborate theater uh, just kind of shuffling the, sh- the seats and you're just going to get, you know, increased uh, kind of pro-corporate law and and increased, uh, you know, tighten up your belt for the rest. And so I, I, I do think that, that we are at a kind of crisis point. Uh, but like you said, you know, if you also lock everybody indoor, suddenly the government's telling you what to do at a time where there's already a crisis of trust in the government. So that's a that's a lethal combination. It is. And I think like if if we would have been talking, you know, a year and a half ago, I don't think we'd be t- like we, it wasn't the QAnon movement we have today. And I don't think Travis and I and you guys 
right? You, we wouldn't all be concerned the same way that we are, and we wouldn't be looking at this the same way. It would be easier to look at QAnon with humor in mm-hmm. 2019. Right now, it's really becoming, we've all seen this movement turn extremist and accelerated because of the pandemic. Because if yeah. it would have just continued the trajectory it had in 2019, we'd still be focusing more on like, you know, yes, it's a threat, but it's a future threat. There's potentials. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of more like, you know, okay, let's see what happens. It's not that serious. Now we're all sitting around this table and we're all talking about this on like online and in articles and in interviews. Like, yeah, this is a crisis now. We've been talking about it for years, mm-hmm. but we never expected it to accelerate. And I don't think any of us could have said it's going to end up no. in 85 countries. The, the worst know? part is that we're preparing ourselves now for... Uh, essentially the the first potential great disappointment or or you know more like a great hangover and that's the period where things get grim because we know that this damage kind of happens to people around the people who are involved in it or to themselves in majority so you know i think uh those kinds of like yeah i don't want to see what it looks like to have qanon deaths of despair yeah what do you know about uh, how qanon is sort of developing in the global east i know qanon in the global east has had some growth japan has has seen a a decent amount of growth especially around the popularity of general flynn i'm not the japanese expert on on qanon but i know it's one of the growing areas but also places like uh, korea the philippines i have seen a huge amount of growth in those communities and by huge i've seen them go from like a few hundred to a few thousand in the case of uh, japan it's it's you know 60,000 individuals that I've seen about on social media. So it's still a, a large segment of the population. So we're going to see an anime Flynn. <laughs> it's, I, it's I honestly would not be surprised if there is already some type of anime Flynn. But honestly, I think that anywhere where there is these type of wealthy countries, there's going to be a capacity to do this. Japan has had, though, a huge history of conspiracy culture, so it doesn't surprise me too much that they're they're participating there. But again, I'm not the, the top expert. Mark andre thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and terrifying us yet again. It's uh, always a pleasure. You guys could find me on Twitter at underscore M-A Argentino. Right, thank you so much. Go follow the man. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous. You can subscribe there for five bucks a month and you'll get a whole second episode every week. That's eight episodes a month instead of four. Plus, you'll get access to our entire archive of premium episodes. There's over 100 of them now. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent, which we value a lot and we've been that way since the beginning. We usually stream twice a week at twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. You can follow us there. We'll be resuming our streams in January. And for everything else, we have QAnonAnonymous.com where you'll find merch, a link to our Discord, access to the lost episodes two to six, please stop writing in, etc. Before we go, uh, I want to thank my Dutch Twitter followers who all offered to help with this episode. <laughs> uh, this includes uh, Rudy Balma for his insight, uh, Gert van Dijk for directing me to Dutch reporting about QAnon, and at spot too tall on Twitter for some translation assistance. You're very generous with your time, and I would like to formally apologize on behalf of the United States for unleashing QAnon <laughs> on your fine country. And also taking America. I mean, we could have had a Dutch, 
we could have had a Dutch utopia, you know? We could be living like them right now. It could be New Amsterdam well, instead well, look, of New York. If you go up to Solvang, you'll see it. You'll get a little piece of what of what paradise could have looked like. I don't want these towns where they give you, like, a wooden mug and, and you pretend to be German in America and just eat hot dogs. Why not? Okay. There's, a, there's a great Actually, casino there, fun, too. Yeah. It's pretty okay, fun. Okay, all right. Sold. The Netherlands looks like a beautiful place, and I hope I get the opportunity to visit one day. It really is. We're going to go there with the podcast. You Definitely. know, if there's enough people listening to this over in the Netherlands, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come to your city. You, it's very easy to attract us to Amsterdam. A lovely city. Luisteraars tot volgende week. On mohe da diepdish ja zehanan en behuden. It's not a conspiracy. It's fact. And now, today's auto cue. Deep states roasting in a dumpster fire. POTUS nipping at their toes. Fools tried carols swinging votes by a wire. But folks stepped up to whistle blow. Now everybody knows it's murky, but old Sleepy Joe. Had to make his treason bright Finding lots of their lies all aglow They'll find it hard to sleep tonight Cause we know We know Atlanta's gonna pay They loaded lots of votes and ballots in their suitcases While every Megas child was trained to spy To watch those Democrats cheat the vote and lie, 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 lie And so I'm offering this simple phrase Free trips for dirty rhinos to Bohemian. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Mary Gitmus. No, I said Gitmus. So Mary Gitmus.